This is the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast, session number 101. Put down those scripts. Welcome to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast with Jason Lynette, your professional resource for hypnosis training and outstanding business success. Here's your host, Jason Lynette. It's all about being a hypnotist and not a scriptist. Hey, it's Jason Lynette here, and welcome back to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast, here today to chat with you about one of my favorite topics. It's all about building confidence in the hypnotist. And I share this is an issue that I find isn't just the issue, whether it's the uh, brand new hypnotist coming through a certification training, or perhaps it's the well-seasoned hypnotherapist who is looking to make their process perhaps more effective. And I'd rewind this story back here to the experience of being in my late teenage years. I was interested in magic, and from a magic shop, I purchased a little booklet on hypnotism. And I really wish I at least had the book, or at least remember the name of it, uh, because it really did include the phrase, memorize these words, that ought to work. And again, I really wish I had that just for the historical reference. So you go to this scenario where here's the hypnotist and they're in the session with a client. And well, let's actually do this first. Let's not completely beat up the script. In the words of Roy Hunter, scripts are training wheels. You know, we all start somewhere. And scripts, in my opinion, are something that I've heard some people say, oh, they should be outlawed, which... Well, first of all, I don't know how the hell you would pull that off, but really understand the intention. This is why inside of my program, Hypnotic Workers, you know, one of the phrases is we don't need any more scripts. What we need are more transcripts. And that's why inside of Hypnotic Workers over at hypnoticworkers.com, there are real client sessions with the real client full transcribed uh, transcripts. And many students have been modeling that, but not using that as a script. And take that as an example, by the way, this is how scripts ought to be used to study them and to play the game in your mindset, to play the game in your mind as if this is just a marker in time of what one specific practitioner did with one specific client in one specific session, rather than these are the words that I ought to say. You know, so it's where the comedian may have the memorized chunk. You know, a comedian may often do something called crowd work where they open up and they're talking to the audience and, hey, sir, what do you do for a living? And this one says he's a lawyer. And suddenly it looks like they're the most genius improvisational comedian. And yet that might be the same four or five minutes they typically do if there's a lawyer in the audience or here's the banker and here's the jokes for that. Here's the teacher. Here's the jokes for that and, and so on. So to recognize that a script is sort of a historical marker, I, I would share that was a mindset that I used, which is how here are these little blips. Here are these little humps, as the comedian would call it. Here are these little routines that I could call upon when I land upon a scenario that I've been with before. You know, you're in my office quitting smoking, you're wonderfully motivated, and the timing is that you're here because your wife is pregnant. Okay, yeah, I got six minutes on that. Uh, so it's the mindset of looking at the process, let's call it being modular, that you're able to pull out these modular components. That being said, you know, the intention behind this is I've got a class that's currently going on 
and I have a student who is struggling a little bit, uh, and understand I will say this from the most helping place possible, I feel they're struggling because of an expectation that we've made it very clear is not the expectation. Because here we can be inside of a demonstration, and uh, you know I'm up there doing my demo, and I'm not holding any paper. And I'd have to go to the phrasing of Malcolm Gladwell on this. The, the concept, as he would say, is the 10,000 hours. That the reason that, quote, I make it look so easy is because I've been doing it for all these years. I've been doing it inside of thousands and thousands of client sessions and you know thousands of stage hypnosis shows over the years and teaching you know hundreds and hundreds of live students. So it's the experience of you don't ever really, in my opinion, have to work to commit it to memory. There may be some moments inside of a training where I may highlight and say, okay, that paragraph is magic. Memorize those words if you can. You know, I'd point to, uh, and I'd credit Sean Michael Andrews for this uh, this statement that he made, and it's one that I've definitely found to be true. Because as hypnotists, we feel that need to play with our process, to continuously refine and experiment and improve upon. And back to one of the trainings I first did with him, I heard him say, you know, in the Dave Elman induction, if my client isn't losing the numbers, uh, that becomes a moment where I pull up my script and I read the original, and then it starts working again. And there are moments where I've definitely found that to be the case in, in that scenario or even others. So the script to be the refined down example. So what I've done here in uh, here in session 101 is I've put together just a brief bullet point list of five strategies to help you to put down those scripts. So with that in mind, let's jump right in. This is session number 101, Put down those scripts. Here we go. Here are five specific strategies to build the confidence, to build the skills, and to build the techniques to help you to put down those scripts. And let's jump in with number one, a wonderful uh, header here. Listen to your client. Yes, that's right. Listen to your client. It's in my honest opinion that as you do a thorough intake interview process, it is impossible to rely upon just reading a hypnotic script. The reason is, is that as you do a thorough intake interview process, you're going to get all the content that you need to properly address your client's goals. So the beautiful thing of this is it brings in the model of what we call it inside of NLP, the meta model. And specifically, what we can just refer to as chunking up and chunking down. So what I'd reference is that inside of my client intake forms, uh, I'll give you the basic overview of it here, there is a single page that is asking for a list of benefits that they're going to achieve as they achieve their goal. And then uh, another strategy is what is your expectation of this goal a month from now, a year from now, five years from now. And in the words of Scott Sandlin, what's great about that is it's teaching your client to hypnotize themselves before they even come into your office. So from these specific prompts, it's really going to give you every bit of ammunition you're going to need to jump into your client session and customize to the individual. And to do this by way of chunking up and chunking down. So let's use a simple example here. Here's someone coming in to quit smoking 
and they express that their goal is they want to feel healthier and understand I've got nothing to do. I've got no idea what the heck that means. Feel healthier. So to chunk down is to get into the individual specifics of that statement. Right now, that's kind of just this bigger picture perspective. So what specifically do you mean by feeling better? Well, I'd like to feel healthier. Okay, now our foot's kind of in the door. And feel healthier how? In what way? And again, we're just simply asking questions here. Well, I need more energy. Hmm. Well, doesn't that open up a door? Well, energy for what specifically? Oh, uh, I've got grandkids. And when I'm around my grandkids, I just don't have the energy. Oh, well, what's it going to be like to be around your grandkids now and have all this energy? Oh, it's going to be wonderful because I watch them every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday after school. And they're really active. We've got a big playground by my neighborhood and we take them out there and I just always feel winded. And, you know, once I get rid of the cigarettes, I know I've stopped for two years before. Once I get rid of the cigarettes, I know I'm going to be able to get out there and jog with them and run with them and play in the playground. And, you know, I don't feel good being the old grandpa sitting on the bench. I want to be up there and active and wear them out as well. And this is a specific example that I've heard in the last couple of weeks, which at that point, you've now got every bit of suggestion and imagery you're going to need to work with that client, to bring them into that result and then bring them hypnotically along for the ride. So this is the downfall of just accepting change at face value. So it started with, I want to feel better. And now you have this beautiful scenario to associate your client with and to fold in hypnotic language patterns and hypnotic suggestion and imagery to bring them into that experience to further motivate that change. Let, let's do one for public speaking. You know, here's the scenario where the client says, uh, speak confidently, you know, and I'd see that very frequently on my office forms. And again, chunking up and chunking down. Let's do both on this one. So an example of chunking down, well, speak confidently in what scenarios? Well, at work, we do these roundtable meetings to discuss our progress. And uh, at that meeting, I always feel nervous and I end up blushing and I feel uncomfortable. Okay, well, how would you rather feel? And again, it's of the firm opinion here that you can't really work on the negative Well, you can try, but to work on what they want more of is always going to be more beneficial. Well, I want to feel confident. And now we can follow up. Well, let me ask you this, just this may seem out of nowhere, but what's a time even outside of public speaking where you felt confident? Oh, well, I used to play a lot of sports and I was really a star athlete in high school. And now we're getting them associating into a previous experience where they really felt that confidence. And now this opens the door for drawing out resources, for drawing out strategies, to copy and paste, to click and drag, to model their own success. Let's do an example here, though, of chunking up. So they say they want to speak confidently. And the easiest strategy to chunk up off of a prompt is as you speak confidently, what's that going to give you? And I did this with this specific client recently. Well, I'm going to feel better as I speak confidently, which again, I, I don't really have anything to work off of on that one. Well, then as you're feeling better and as you're speaking confidently, what's that going to give you? Well, I'm going to be noticed more at work. Hmm. 
Doesn't that get the foot in the door somewhere else? Okay, great. And as you're being noticed more, what's that going to give you? Well, you know, I've been in this job now for about 10 years and I really haven't moved forward at all. And it's about time that I advance in my career and I'm recognized and promoted and paid more. Now we've got something to work on, don't we? Yeah. So again, listen to your client, but at the same time, engage even more thoroughly in a intake interview process to play the strategy of chunking up and chunking down. I would mention two possible side effects of the meta model. The first would be uh, a good one. And I love this one. As you're engaging with your client and as you're asking them these questions, uh, there is often the side effect that people will think you are a whole lot more brilliant than you may actually be, which is a nice benefit because what's happening inside of the meta model is you're driving them inside to ask themselves questions and you're driving them inside to think about their issues in ways that perhaps they haven't yet done. And as they make these discoveries, as they make these epiphanies, they may actually already start to credit some of the breaking through of that change to you. So be cautious because people will give you a whole lot more intelligence and credit than you may actually deserve. I think you're really smart. With great power comes great responsibility. The second side effect, though, of the meta model is that it may become slightly tedious. It may become slightly annoying for you to be asking this many questions. So this is a place where I'm not saying don't ask the questions because instead I'm saying ask even more. But it's a place where you may want to soften a question by going, well, I'm just curious about this just so I understand this a little bit better. Well, let me explore that for a few months just to get the content that I need to help you. You know, these types of phrases set the expectation, which as a side note, uh, this is exactly what I'm doing on my phone process as well. I, I book my clients by phone and I'm engaging in some of this intake interview process on the phone to get the further information, which at the same time, it's going to show me the motivation of the client to better delve into that issue and see if they're even a match, you know, on the phone. Oh, you want to lose weight? Well, what's in it for you to lose the weight? I just want to lose weight. Okay. Well, as you're losing the weight and you're feeling healthier, what's going to be different? Well, I'll just feel better, you know, and I may be hearing a client who's just kind of, you know, at face value and not yet fully invested in that change. So again, it may seem rather comical, but in my opinion, this really is the absolute best strategy of everything I'm going to share with you here during this program. Listen to your client. They're going to give you every bit of the roadmap that you need to really jump into that session and really help them to create those changes. And with that, let's now move on to point number two of put down those scripts, which involves getting more training, getting additional training in your skills. And specifically, my greatest recommendation is to take an NLP class to get trained in NLP style strategies. And I'll highlight one specifically here, which I think is one that is perhaps one of the most powerful to add to the hypnosis skills. And inside of Hypnotic Workers, there's a whole module of this, of what's called working with submodalities. Submodalities. They are the individual building blocks of reality. So let me give you a simple example of this. The phone rings and a client is coming in because they have a fear. 
which for this example, it really doesn't matter what the specific fear is. All that matters is that they feel fear. Now, imagine for a moment, imagine that here you are and you are the scriptnotist and you're now digging through your archives. You're now looking through your books, your uh, downloads, you're hopping onto various online forums and Facebook groups, and you're playing the game of, do you have a script for this? Which again, that ain't what we're talking about here. Because here's the biggest issue. How do you know what that fear really is? And I'm not talking about what the fear is relating to. No, what I'm talking about is what is going through the client's experience. What is going through the client's subjective experience that tells them that they are experiencing fear. So in the work of submodalities and the NLP model, the neuro-linguistic programming model, it's one of becoming curious as to what exactly is going on. What pictures are they creating in their mind? What feelings are in their body? Realize this. You could have a hundred people in front of you who all would report perhaps a fear of public speaking, yet to ask them, how do you feel that fear in your body? The moment you've asked that, you've now got something to work on. You've now got an issue to actually go in and truly address and to morph and change and play with. And let me throw in an extra strategy here as well, which is to ask the question, what does that feel like? And the beauty of the question, what does that feel like, is that yes, sometimes you might get a very literal answer. Well, it feels like I'm afraid of this, which isn't exactly what you ask, but they are technically answering the question. But sometimes when you ask the question, what does that feel like, your client gives you a gift. And the gift is that they answer you in metaphor. Oh, when I'm standing in front of a group of people, it feels like there's someone standing on my chest and I can barely breathe. Talk about a visual representation of that sensation, which at that point to go into hypnosis and simply begin to unpack that metaphor to dissolve that subjective experience away, that alone is going to start to chip away at that issue in such a beautiful way. So it's inside of the NLP model. It's all about getting into the inner workings of the client's mind. How are they experiencing that in their mind? What are the sounds that they're creating? What are the feelings that they're generating? And again, it's a place of jumping into that one specific strategy as one simple example. Other things as well, you know, you're interacting with your client inside of that intake interview process. And if there are, quote, players involved in the story, if they're having to interact with certain people, you're going to start to pick up the submodalities in terms of where they are locating those individuals. If you're working with someone, here's a great example. I was working with a client. The issue was nighttime snacking. And whenever she would talk about the specific foods in her subjective reality, you could just look at her and tell she was placing that off to the side, down to the left, which yes, we can jump into the IXS and cues and start to try to unpack some sort of meaning for that. Though all that matters for now is I need to put another emotional state in that area, which we're getting into a conversational swish pattern at that point. Really, really next level stuff here, which again, 
this playfulness inside of your process to really explore what is the client experiencing and how do we harness that and how do we shift that reality. So with that as well, let's move into strategy number three in terms of put down those scripts, which is to start to learn some process-oriented techniques. And this kind of fits into a lot of different categories. And what I mean by this more specifically are techniques that are universal for change, techniques that are all about the context of the process of the change and less specific in terms of the content. Now, I'll put a link to this in the show notes over at Work Smart Hypnosis. You can actually see an example of this. There's a demonstration that I did about a week before I'm recording this program. It's a demonstration that happened during my live certification course, and it's a demonstration that I did with a student in the class that understand this is a demonstration that I only ever do in a class because there's just no reason to work this way with a client. Because what was interesting about the demo is I had no idea what the volunteer was addressing. I only asked him one piece of criteria to find out if the thing he wanted to address was a habit and a behavior, or if it was an emotional thing he wanted to change. So it's branching into the category of content-free hypnosis, which why do I bring this up here? Well, again, there really has never been a scenario inside of my office where I was working with somebody and I didn't know what they were working on, you know, because the phone rings and it just simply begins. Well, great. Tell me a little bit more about what you'd like to work on. And with that little bit of an interesting opening statement, I now have meat. I now have the criteria. I now have the content to actually go in and address the change process. So I did this demonstration, though, because I believe I proceeded to do like a 45-minute hypnosis session with Rod, with this guy in this video. And again, I had nothing to work off of, which it begs the simple statement back to statement number one, back to bullet point number one here. If I had just that little bit of content, if I had just that little bit of information to branch off of, that would have been a much more robust session. Though you'll see this in the video that I'm referencing. Again, this is going to be in the show notes over at Work Smart Hypnosis, connected to session number 101, put down those scripts. You can see that I, I check in with him at the end of this to really ask him, no, seriously, did I help you address that goal? How do you feel now? So by learning these process-oriented techniques, by learning these strategies that are all very specific to working without the specifics, what it does is it allows a greater flexibility. Now, let me highlight one little thing, though, here, uh, which I think is critical, and it's to be aware of that one simple question that I asked this gentleman in this video, which again, you can go off and watch on the website, which would be that, is it a habit or a behavior, or is it something to do with an emotional issue? So the reason behind that is there's this popular, uh, and this is this goes to everything. This is not one specific to one trainer. I mean, this goes back to Charles Dickens, and I'm sure even further beyond that as well. The strategy of the high road, low road, the strategy of the ghost of Christmas future. What will happen 
if you don't do anything and you continue to have this issue. I bring that up because there's popular variations of the strategy from multiple people out there in the hypnosis profession, but I'll ask you this politely, why the hell would you bring a client to a place five years from now and dig them in deeper to that place where it's five years from now and you still have this fear of public speaking? Which brings in a Jason Lynette principle of the world of hypnosis, um, don't be a jerk. Yeah, uh, because there are specific strategies that are not as universal as they're often positioned to be. So to recap so far, in terms of putting down those scripts, listen to your client, get some training in neuro-linguistic programming, learn some process-oriented strategies, and let's continue this theme with point number four, is to make use of advanced change strategies. Now, I will share a strongly held opinion, which understand I am not discounting these techniques. I'm really honestly taking the side of most people out there who train these techniques and actively make use of them. Because in terms of advanced change strategies, we can fold in things. Uh, we can fold in some of the NLP strategies into this. We can fold in age regression, which uh, understand age regression is not just about finding the cause. Age regression is a category. And yes, one part of it is this find the cause, inform child, and rebuilding phase, but there's other ways to make use of regression, uh, which again, to watch the video that I'm referring to inside of the show notes at Work Smart Hypnosis, you'll see me do three positive regressions with this, uh, with this student and never once, quote, drag him through the mud of the past. Let's not tarnish an entire category of work. We can also fold in various parts therapy style techniques as well, whether it's a six-step reframe, whether it's the popular Charles Tebbets, Roy Hunter variation, and core transformation, many others as well. The reason I give you the small disclaimer a little while ago is that I don't use these techniques with every single client. Uh, because I just find them not to be always necessary. I'm not of the school of thought that would say that if you're not using age regression, you're not going to get permanent results because, well, no, uh, all of these techniques work and not every time do we need to use these advanced strategies. In fact, I'd often reference specific clients I've worked with over the years that for whatever reason inside of the process, we stuck within the realm of suggestion and imagery and it's now going on a dozen years, and they're still doing fantastic. So it's where these strategies work. My my sort of uh, litmus test to figure out whether or not these techniques are needed is the feedback in session number two, which is, again, why I'm a multiple session practitioner. We start with, as Roy Hunter would say, a positive trance trip. And then from there, the feedback then tells me what techniques we need, when, where, and why. So, you know, the classic example would be the person's in front of me for the second appointment for quitting smoking, and physically they've stopped, but there still have been some mental triggers, perhaps, you know, on occasion that may pop up. And then based on those mental triggers, that's going to give me the roadmap of what to then begin to address based on the language that they use. You'll love the simplicity as to whether or not I do parts therapy. Very often, it's as simple as the client says, you know, it feels like part of me wants this and part of me wants that. And what's now happened? They've given me a hypnotic contract that that is their model of the world. 
and that's appropriate to make use of. The real benefit, why I bring this up inside of this put down those scripts uh, content here, is that again, it builds a greater flexibility. And the beautiful thing is, I will give you my real opinion as to the strength of age regression. Because yes, the hypnoanalysis to find the cause and provide insight is valuable. Yes, the relearning and integration is phenomenal. In my true honest opinion though, the real strength of age regression is when you get to that point, if you're following the informed child methodology where there's that five-year-old you before you learn that fear, tell him what he needs to hear is you're getting to this place where now the client is now doing direct suggestion hypnosis on themselves. And I honestly don't concern myself with how clever you think you are, or even so, I really don't care how clever you think I am. Because whatever is going to be coming from your client in that moment is going to be magic. It's going to be exactly what they need. That beautiful place where you have the death and resurrection cycle playing out right there in front of you, and the client is doing the work for you. They're there providing the insight. They are there providing the relearning and the re-education to bring themselves out of that issue. To, to credit uh, Tom Nicoli with a fantastic line, uh, you've been waiting your whole life to have the last word on this issue. Allow yourself that moment now. How beautiful is that? So these advanced change strategies, anything basically that's involving interaction, I would designate as being an interactive advanced technique. So again, more learning, more education. And the cool thing about these strategies is you cannot script them out. Oh no, because it's always changing. It's always unique to the individual. You cannot do a non, here's a double negative. You cannot do a non-client centered strategy technique um, without the client actually interacting and making the process uh, part of it as well. So by widening your toolkit, you're going to find even greater strategies to really help that client. And by doing so, once again, put down those scripts. And here we go. Let's bring it on home with my favorite point number five, which is a little bit of a playful one, which would simply be to tell you to hide them. That's right. Hide them. It's a simple thing that if you always have that tool, you're always going to need it. If you convince yourself that that thing is absolutely necessary, you're not going to set that thing down. And let me tell you a story here by way of metaphor. For a while, I got into some endurance running and I did several half marathons. And you go into a running store and understand, of course, I am not a medical expert. I do not position myself as an expert on fitness. However, this is my anecdotal evidence. And I'll, I'll give you a reference to a book as well, which is fabulous if this is of interest to you. Uh, it'd be the experience. You go into a running store. You go to a running event. And before any half marathon, 5K, 10K, any of these events, there's often a big vendor expo that goes on with people selling running clothing and the 13.1 and the 26.2 magnets you can stick on the back of your car and all sorts of things of that nature. And what I'm specifically referring to here are those runner's gels. 
these high sugar runners packets, which uh, I even at one point, as I was convinced these were necessary, uh, I had bought a specific pair of running shorts that had these tiny pockets with elastic loops so I could gel up and refuel while I was running. And then I started to listen to some running podcasts, and I found a book by uh, Mark Sisson, I think is his name. The name of the book is Primal Endurance, which just completely eviscerated this whole idea that you had to use these things. I have since, um, which basically what he was presenting was even the technology, the science of what people refer to as carb loading that it might not be as necessary. And uh, I may offend some, but uh, let me credit, I believe this was um, Dr. Oz in a book that I read of his uh, all about uh, childbirth and nutrition for the mother that we read these books as uh, my wife was expecting her kids, that he keeps referring to, it's not eating for two, it's eating for 1.1. And apparently, according to this Primal Endurance book, that if you are actually carb loading for an endurance race, really the quantity you need would be the equivalent of one extra serving of oatmeal the day before, as opposed to people going completely bonkers with this big uh, pasta meal. Uh, that being said, there's also the trend now of, and you can understand why this one isn't as sexy as carb loading, but it's called fat loading. Because fats provide energy just as much as carbs, and it's a matter of how you stack the system. Though really, if this is of interest to you, check out the book Primal Endurance. We'll link to it in the show notes. Because basically he presents the cause that, well, if you just eat properly all the time and you train yourself appropriately, you really don't need it. Uh, so actually, my best runs I ever did was when I abandoned all the gel packets, the high sugar snacks, and I just ate a balanced diet and built up the endurance properly. And the last time I did a half marathon, did the whole thing without the packets, only drinking a little bit of water along the run and uh, not quote refueling at all. Um, if you've been following my fitness journey, I'm now primarily doing a strength training thing. And even for that one, you know, you see people in the gym, they're wearing a weight belt, they're wearing gloves, they're kicking back the protein shake. They're doing all these extraneous things without perhaps regulating what their specific goals are, without perhaps figuring out if they don't need the straps to do that one specific exercise. So what I'm basically getting at here by way of metaphor is that if you build that dependence upon the scripts, well, folks, that's probably where you're going to stay. And it's a place where the story goes back a couple of years uh, into my hypnosis career, and I wasn't dependent on the scripts, but I still had them nearby as a state as a safety net. And some of you may have heard the story before about I had just moved into a new office, and suddenly there was this massively loud construction going on. And the owner of my space I was renting, the owner was really great about this. So what they did was they provided me a temporary space, the whole executive office suite setup. They paid my rent to be a month at this alternate space while the building I had just paid for uh, was being renovated. So it was really loud. We had jackhammers, air compressors, generators, and a couple of guys yelling at each other in several different languages. And I moved to another office. I pulled off that move in a matter of two hours. 
uh, because a friend of mine uh, who had a truck and is very tall and strong picked up my recliner, stuck into the back of his car, drove me two miles down the road, and I called the next client to say, hey, change of plans. I've just moved to a temporary space due to some construction. Meet me here. And I brought over my laptop. I brought over uh, my sound machine, my white noise machine I like having in the hallway. And suddenly there's the client and my magical binder is two miles away. I'm sorry you have to go home. You have to smoke the rest of your life. No, of course not. No. So sometimes you've got to put that thing away. You know, those of you that have got kids, there comes the time of weaning them off the, uh, the breastfeeding, off the bottle, off of the diapers. There comes the moment. Now, both of our kids eventually pulled a pacifier out of their mouth and threw it across the room, so we never had to fight that battle. But there comes that moment where baby's got to take those steps and start to learn for yourself. So it's a experience that really, use that word experience. You've put in the hours, you've put in the experience, and then trust those skills. And it's where preparation, meeting with experience is going to result in a fantastic session. Which here, let me kind of tie things up with my own journey, which was that, again, I got out there and I did a lot of this. I saw a ton of clients. I did a lot of uh, workshops. I attended a lot of meetups. I went to hypnosis conventions. To this day, I'm still buying products, books, video sets, watching things on YouTube, interacting with different uh, events. Um, I had uh, the recent HypnoThoughts Live convention. I think I was one of the only few speakers who was teaching my own pre and post workshop that was actually attending a pre and post workshop. And several times as you're a listener to this program, you've heard the story of being at a convention, manning a table in the vendor room and not being at my table because I'm there attending workshops as well. So the real advice is, as always, become ravenous for all of this. And all of these strategies, just to reiterate it all here quickly before we wrap up here, step number one, listen to your client. Point number two, Get some NLP-style training inside of you. Uh, point number three, learn some process-oriented techniques. And again, uh, you can look over at Work Smart Hypnosis and uh, the show notes for this session. You can find that demo that I did. Uh, we'll stick that up on YouTube. We'll put that linked in the show notes as well. The process-oriented techniques that are all contextual in nature, and all of those strategies are taught in detail inside of hypnoticworkers.com. We also talked about point number four, advanced change strategies, which this is really the whole category of direction that I go if things are not clicking, if things are not working. And then point number five, my personal favorite, hide them. This has been Put Down Those Scripts. Hey, it's Jason here, and thanks again so much for interacting with this program. Here we go, launching in session number 101. If you have not interacted with the previous 100 sessions, jump over to worksmarthypnosis.com and check them out. Everything can be downloaded on iTunes, downloaded from the Work Smart Hypnosis website, or stream it online as well. As you enjoy this program, please head to worksmarthypnosis.com forward slash iTunes, and that'll bring you directly over to the page to leave your five-star review for this program and to further advance your hypnosis skills and to help you to put down those scripts, check out hypnoticworkers.com. 
Com. It's the entire digital access to my Hypnosis for Change library. Get started today for just $47. Learn more at hypnoticworkers.com. See you next time. Thanks for listening to the Work Smart Hypnosis podcast at worksmarthypnosis.com.